All right, guys, it's last week before Advent, and uh, I'm going to ask you for a favor as we wrap up this series on gratitude. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to open them up to Luke chapter 17. Uh, Luke chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 11. Uh, I would also ask that you would grab a bulletin. If you did not get one of the hard copies when you walked in, it looks kind of like this. Uh, it's got notes on the inside. Then I would ask you to uh, grab your phone real quick and open up the camera app, scan this QR code on the screen behind me, and uh, the reason why is we, we ask everybody here to take notes. So we think worship is a participatory sport. Uh, that means when we sing, we sing. When we pray, we pray. When we give, we give. And when we study God's Word, we're actually going to study it. So we're going to take notes, and we're going to act like it's important. Uh, we're going to go home and think about it. We actually give you guys questions every week so that after you leave, you can go home and think about what you heard. That's, that's, that's the point. Um, that's how we're changed. Um, that's how we're changed. And so uh, that's what we want to encourage you to do. I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word, then we'll jump in. Father, um, man, thank you. God, I, I pray this morning as we kind of wrap up um, our thoughts on gratitude this month that you would just be ever-present. Uh, Holy Spirit, we're going to ask you to come and take your place in our pulpit and that you would exalt Jesus Christ and that we would um, see how merciful he is unto us and it would change our hearts towards him, um, towards our fellow man, and that we would live differently because of what we learned today. And we ask that in Jesus' holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen. Um, guys, I'm in Luke chapter 17. I'm going to start in verse 11. And we're just going to read through verse 19. And this is what the Word of God says. It says, While traveling to Jerusalem, uh, he, that's Jesus, passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus! Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice he gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. There's three things I want to share with you as we close our series on gratitude this morning. And here's the first. I want you to understand that gratitude draws us closer to God. And it is the basis of genuine worship. Okay, gratitude draws us closer to God, and it is the basis of genuine uh, worship. So as Jesus is, is walking along the way, he's about to enter a village. Clearly, some lepers hear that Jesus is in the area, and they kind of meet him as close as they could meet him. So leprosy, back in the day, they, they didn't know what caused it. We kind of have a better idea now, but um, they, people were declared unclean. They were driven out of their homes. They were driven out of their towns. They had laws that they had to live by, and one of those was that if, if anyone approached you and you were a leper, you had to stop at a distance. You had to immediately cry out, unclean, unclean, and you would have to go to the other side of the road. There was a certain distance you had to keep at all times. And so there's ten men with leprosy. That means that uh, clearly they're living together uh, on, on some level. They're, they're, that, that's all they have. That's their own little community uh, there. They're slowly dying. There is no cure at this point. And, and they hear that Jesus in, is in the area, and, and they hear that he's been doing all these kind of miracles. He's been healing people. So they come to him, 
And they cry out from a long distance, Master, have mercy on us. And of course, Jesus is is merciful. And so we read this in verse 14. It says, when he saw them, he told them, go and and show yourselves to the priests. And, And it says, while they're going, they were cleansed. Now this is important. It may not seem like much. But what Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm going to do what you're asking. You need to now go and you need to show yourself to the priest. Now, the, the deal with leprosy, once you were declared unclean, you could never go back to your family until a priest had kind of checked off on it, right? You had to go to the temple. They, they had this little test, and they'd be like, they'd check you out, and they'd be like, okay, yep, no, now you can return home. There's some ceremonies you had to go through, but eventually they, like, the priest would sign off on it. So he's saying, hey, you've got to go, and in and, and, and faith, you're going you're gonna to go, and you're going to do this. You're going to show himself, I've done what you've asked, all right? It says, as they were going, they were cleansed. That word uh, in, in the Greek, it's catharzo, uh, Catharizo, I believe. And um, it means, it's like where we would get our word cathartic, right? Like you think about something that's almost emotional healing. Uh, it, it literally means that they, they were healed. Not just that they were cleansed, they, they, they were healed. And, and so it, the next verse says in verse 17, one of them, seeing that he was healed, he's on the way to the priest. They're on the way to the temple. Uh, the ten of them traveling together. One of them looks down at some point. It's like, oh, oh my gosh, look. My fingers, like, everything's good. And, 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 and the other nine are like, hey, we're going to the temple, homie. He's like, no, no, like, like wow, do you don't under- look at this, man. And, and so it says that he, he returns, and with a loud voice, he gave glory to God. Now, that, that, the word loud in the Greek, it's megas. So it's, it's not like a little. It, it, it's mega, right? It, it's a lot of praise. And, and he says he's going to give glory to God. It, it's the word where we get our word for doxology, it, it's adoration and, and praise. And so he comes back, not with a little worship. He doesn't come back with just a little, oh, thank you so much, I appreciate it. It's important to me. I mean, it means a lot. No, he comes back and he's like, yes! Oh my gosh, thank you so much! And, and, and it says, like, listen, if you want to know that word, you're trying to grasp that word, we start Advent next week. So we're going to talk about the first coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. Do you remember the, the, the birth announcement, the angels and the shepherds in the field, right? And the shepherds in the field, uh, they responded to the birth of Jesus with this word. With this word. It's megas doxazo, right? It's great adoration and praise. That's how this man responds. And so it says he comes back with great adoration and praise. Next verse, falling at the feet. He falls face down at the feet of Jesus. And there's that word, thanking him. It's gratitude. He falls at the feet of Jesus, thanking him. Megas daxadzo. Prostrates himself at the feet of Jesus. Now, if you don't know what that means, you think it has something to do with getting older, a uh, different term. It means lowering oneself, it means getting down, putting one's face to the ground, and worshiping. And in other cultures, some people would do this before a king or, or before someone that they, they saw in a great position, but in the Bible, it's always something that's done before God. And it's something that says, you are God, and you are holy, and I am unworthy. Isaiah sees uh, God sitting on the throne, and he says, man, I'm a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. Moses sees God, and he falls on his face before him. And this leper is falling on his face before Jesus with megas doxadzo. And he's worshiping with everything that he is. 
It's a genuine response of authentic worship because of what God has done for him. And, and here's what Jesus gets at that I want to point out. Y'all, all ten of them were cleansed. All ten of them were cleansed, but only one of them was grateful. Only one of them returned in gratitude, fell at his feet before Jesus, and worshipped him as Lord. And the text says, while all were cleansed, only this man was saved. All received healing, but only one received eternal life. Just this man that was overflowing with gratitude, and he worshipped Jesus as Lord. We know that because verse 19, he says, Get up, go on your way, your faith has saved you. And that is what I mean when I say gratitude draws us closer to God. And it's the basis of genuine worship. And, and y'all, i, I, I got to say this, because the way we pray is so self-centered. Uh, the way we live is so self-centered. We, we, we all want something of God. We have a tendency to treat God either like he's just a miracle worker or, I don't know, he's some kind of prayer vending machine. So we come to God with our request. We're like, God, man, I really need you to come through. My family's struggling right now. And then God comes through and he provides the money that we need. And we go, okay, thanks, we're off. So God, I really need you to show up and I need you to fix this problem I have. I don't want to struggle with this anymore. And God shows up and he provides the healing that we need. And then we go, okay, thanks, man. Now I can go off and be who I want to be, my own version of me. What I'm telling you this morning, it is possible to experience the healing of God and not receive the life of God. And you better be careful because ten people received the healing of God. Only one received the life of God. And it's because he returned with a heart full of megas doxazo. And he worshipped God and thanked God. God for what he had done. So the first thing I want you to know is gratitude draws us closer to God. It's a basis of genuine worship. The second thing I want you to know is that practicing gratitude keeps us that way. It keeps us close to God by helping us remain in his will. Practicing gratitude. This is why we, we try to do it all month. Because it's intended to be a, a lifelong practice not like 21 days of doing something becomes a habit hopefully you've you've done this close to 21 days and it's supposed to be in a row i know you missed some right but the, the point is this should become part of who we are practicing gratitude helps us keep close to god uh, by remaining in his will so as we wrap up the series i want to i want to close the series where we started with first thessalonians so first thessalonians 5 17 18 says pray constantly this was our our banner verse pray constantly give thanks in Everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It is God's will for us to give thanks in everything, right? As I mentioned briefly when we started the study, I want to expand on now. Um, that's where you want to be. You want to be in the center of God's will. It's the best place to be, okay? Being in the, in the center of God's will is the best place to be. Uh, but we have a problem, right? Here's our problem, ready? We often think we know better. Okay, and, and, and Proverbs, uh, Solomon writes this out. He says, there's a way that seems right unto us, seems right unto a person, but it, it ends uh, in, in the way to death. Its end is, is the way to death. There's a way that seems right unto a person, but, 
but it leads to death, the Bible says. And, and, and what that's saying is that we all think that we know better. And, and so we have a tendency to stray away from what God says, to say, well, I know better, I, I want to do this. The Bible calls that straying sin, and, and, and the wage, the penalty of that sin is death. That's Romans 6.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, and, and Romans 6.23 says, and the wage of sin is death. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so the story of the Bible is that we have a tendency to think that we know right. And that, that leads to death. But, but the greater story of the Bible is that God has chosen to intervene. And he has provided another way, a singular way, that all those that have gone astray can have life. Okay? All those that have gone astray can have life. Jesus talks about this, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate, and difficult is the road that leads to life. There is a way, there is one path that leads to life, and of course that path is Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am that way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So what I'm saying to you this morning, if you're here and you've joined us, I believe you're hearing this message, number one, because it is God's will that you would receive eternal life. I, I think people that hear the gospel, that God wants you to receive eternal life. He wants you to come to life. He wants you to experience eternal life. He has sent His Son Jesus to pursue you. And, and, but here's the, the problem for us that are Christians. We think that's it. We're like, I'm good. I've done that. I've received Jesus. I'm, I'm golden. I'm, I'm, I'm finished, right? I'm going to heaven. Like, like we've checked the box and like we're done. But, but God's will for you is not just that you would find the way and receive the life. He, his will for you is also that you would then remain in Jesus. Right? Huge theme of the New Testament is remaining in Jesus Christ. Uh, it's also called, Paul calls it, uh, walking in the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit. It's the same concept. It's making sure that we stay constantly in the center of God's will, which is best, right? Which is, which is best. Now, when we talk about God's will, that's a tough subject to wrap our minds around because the Bible has a lot to say about God's will. And in fact, so you could read 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18, and you could proof text it and say, well, God's will is just that I would be thankful. And if I'm thankful, that, that's all of it. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a part of it, but so that, that only keeps you in, in one part of God's will. So, so I, I want to I just give you some definitions. They're in your notes. I'm not trying to blow up your brain this morning. Uh, but the Bible has a lot to say about God's will. Now, there's a guy named Wayne Grudem that wrote a book called Systematic Theology. Now, theology is just thoughts about God, what we think about God. Um, and systematic refers to, hey, if I were to open the Bible and read the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation, and, and I was going to read it about any subject, systematic theology takes that subject, and this is what the whole Bible, the full counsel of God's Word, has to say about this. So as you study the concept of God's will from Genesis to Revelation, uh, Grudem says, man, that, that's so big, I, I, it really needs to be broken up into three aspects. So the first aspect is, I think, what we think about when we think about the will of God, um, and, and this is what we call it, we call it God's sovereign will. 
And this is what David writes about, right? I'm like, like, you knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. You had all of my days planned before me. So God's sovereign will is his predetermined plan, and it's always accomplished. This includes all events in the past, in the present, and the future. This is like God has planned it. It's going to happen. Ain't nothing you can do to change it. And we have a tendency to think, well, that's what God's will is. And I, and, and, but if you think that that is the only aspect to God's will, then you will live life, well, it doesn't matter what I do. Right? It doesn't matter what I do at all. But that's just one aspect of God's will. So here's the second aspect. We call it God's moral will. And this is what God wants of us as human beings. Okay? God's moral will, it's what God desires of human beings in terms of moral conduct and character. Okay, so the Bible tells us how we should live, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, the way that we should think, the way that we shouldn't think, the way that we should treat others, the way that we shouldn't treat others, right? The Bible is full of this, this teaching. It's what God desires of us in, in terms of our conduct and character. It includes his commands and principles for how we should live. And here's what you need to know about this, y'all. This moral will of God can be disobeyed by humans. That's called sin. So the moral will of God can be disobeyed. That's why God sent his son Jesus. Which brings us to the third aspect. And when I talk to you about gratitude helps you remain in the will of God, I'm, I'm really focusing on this third aspect. And, and we call that uh, God's wise will. God's wise will. So God's wise will is God's wise purpose for our lives within the parameters of his sovereign will. So if you've ever said, God, God what, what, is, what is your will for me? That's what we're talking about. When you, when you say, God, what, is you, what do you want from me? You're, you're asking, God, what is your will for my life? Not just, what, do you, what is your purpose eternally? What is your purpose in the world? But you say, but God, no, what is your purpose for me? Right? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to behave? How, what, what am I supposed to do? What is my purpose here? You're, you're, you're seeking God's wise will, God's wise purpose for our lives within the parameters of his sovereign will. This involves making wise choices within God's moral will. And listen, it involves discerning the specific guidance that God has for your life. God's wise will involves discerning, understanding God's specific guidance for you. Okay, hit pause button Christians, ready? I said for you. You don't get to act like you know what God's wise will is for everyone else. Oh, parents are like, no. God's like, for this reason, leave their father and mother, be united. Okay, anyway, it's fine. Specific guidance for our lives. I want you to write this phrase down. Practicing gratitude, this is what it helps us do. Uh, Grudem says that wise will is revealed progressively. God's wise will is, is revealed progressively through biblically saturated wisdom. God's wise will, will is revealed progressively. That means, that means like one step after another step. after Not all at one time. That's what we want. We're instant people, instant popcorn, instant mashed potatoes. Those aren't very good. Instant, but you know what I'm saying, right? Want it fast, okay? I don't use the, I, I, I hate going to the Shell station on 696 uh, and 290 because it takes forever. So I, I go to Docs because it's fast, right? It's faster. I may pay a little more, but it's quick, okay? Want it quick? 
God's wise will isn't that way. It's not going to be quick. It's progressively shown to you. So it's revealed progressively through biblically saturated wisdom. Psalmist writes, Your word, Lord, is a lamp unto my feet. And it is a light unto my path. Meaning that if I want to see who you want me to be and where you want me to go, I have to remain in your word. Have to remain in your word. And that is what gratitude helps us do. It helps us remain parked in Jesus, parked in his word, constantly talking to him about everything. That's what it give thanks in all circumstances, right? Everything. We're gonna stay parked in him. We're gonna remain in Jesus. So the first thing I shared with you this morning, gratitude draws us closer to God. It's a basis of genuine worship. The second thing, practicing gratitude keeps us close to God by helping us remain in His will. The third thing I would share with you is that doing that, remaining grateful, results in supernatural peace. Results in supernatural peace. John chapter 15, uh, Jesus is talking about remaining in Him. He says this in John 15, 5, I'm the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, but you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. In Galatians, Paul describes this as walking in the Spirit. Some translations say keeping in step with the Spirit. Uh, It's the same thing. It's remaining in the will of God. It's remaining in the Spirit of of Jesus. And the passage says that if we do so, if we'll we'll remain, if we'll keep in step with the Spirit, uh, if we'll walk in the Spirit, if we'll remain in Jesus, uh, the Bible says that we will not sin. What? Like, like literally, it, it says, listen, the Spirit of God opposes naturally all the things of the flesh. They, they go in different directions. So you're like, I just want to live a better life for God. I just want to stop doing this stupid thing I do over and over and over. There is an answer. You could do a million Bible studies. You could study that thing that you struggle with over and over and over, and you can come up with lots of little things to do. But, but you could also just do this. And focus on walking in the Spirit. And focus on being in the center of God's will at all times. And as you do that, you're naturally going to distance yourself from that thing that you constantly struggle with. That's the way that it works. The Spirit opposes the flesh naturally. And Paul continues and he says, and, and it has great fruit. Galatians 5, 23. The fruit of that Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. He puts it another way in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, that sounds a whole lot like 1 Thessalonians 5. In everything... Give thanks in everything. It's the same thing, y'all. And it says, here's the result of that. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in everything means that we're remaining. It means that it's, it's constant activity, that we're walking with Jesus constantly. We're talking with Jesus constantly about everything. We're grateful for everything. And then the Bible says, and then we'll have the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. All understanding. Now, I want to tell you this. Uh, the peace of God does not mean that your life will be at peace. Love you. 
Welcome to Real Church. Uh, you can go to a fake one somewhere. They'll tell you if you give your money and if you follow Jesus that life gets easy and uh, it's all full of blessing and uh, nice cars and houses and shoes. And, and I, I'm sorry, that's junk. That's not in the Bible. Jesus says if you follow him, you're going to have trouble. Uh, he, he openly said that the Son of Man doesn't have any place to rest his head. So come join me. And everyone's like, woo, sounds great. Uh, that's, that's how Jesus preached. And, and so listen, life doesn't get easier when you decide to follow Jesus. Some of you are on the fringe. We, we've got a lot of high school students that have been hearing the gospel over and over and over. And some of them are so close to following Jesus. And what they want us to say is, man, follow Jesus and it all gets better. And it does in a sense. It does. Man, once God is in control of your life, it is so much better. But it's not necessarily easier. Right? The peace of God doesn't mean that you won't ever lose a job or that you won't experience hardship or that you won't experience suffering. Jesus said we'd face suffering in the world. The peace of God is that while we do, in the midst of it, somehow we're okay. That, that the things that should sink us do not. The things that should end us do not. And we are still standing. And the people watching us are going, what is wrong with you? That should have put you under. And we're like, but I'm standing on the rock. I'm not standing on me. My, my foundation is firm. His name is Jesus. And He is the one that holds me together. And they go, man, how do I, how do I get that? That's what we're talking about, y'all. The peace of God, which is, is beyond human understanding, will be yours if, if you'll just do these things. So if we'll remain grateful, we can be like that. So what do we do with that? As we wrap up a month of talking about gratitude, I'm going to give you some challenges and then I'm going to let you go. Number one, I want to challenge you with this. I want you to examine your worship. Okay? So this, this passage, uh, this passage is very much about worship, right? That megas, doxazo, uh, so examine your worship. Is your worship characterized by reverent gratitude and awe of God? That's the question I want you to ask yourself. Is it? And if it's not, then I want you to ask God to restore the joy of your salvation. And, and here's what I'm going to say to you. I'm going to say this in love, okay? Worship is not all about emotion, okay? Some of you guys, you know, you, you watch some, some of those churches out there. Man, they got some professional bands. And they got some, some smoke and some things. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, woo, it's awesome. Whole, whole team and the things, all they do and, you know, whatever. That's fine. Sometimes it can be so focused on emotion, just wanting an emotional response. And so some of you have reacted bad to that. Like, oh, gosh, that's not real. That's, that's horrible. Okay, listen. Worship should not be entirely about emotion, but it should also not be emotionless. You hear me, church? That's not worship either. Right? Worship is founded out of a grateful heart. It is founded out of this remembrance of, oh my gosh, I have been healed by the one and only healer, Jesus. And when we show up, it is not about singing some emotionless song. It is about showing up and expressing from that overflowing heart that you are grateful for what God has done. And it means that you scream or you shout. Some of you are like, but I'm not a good singer. Who cares? You make a joyful noise. And you respond unto the Lord from your heart. And if you ever show up 
and you do anything that is not heartfelt and, and does not have some form of emotion attached to it, then I don't know that you worship. Now, if it's all emotion, I don't know that that's worship either. Okay? So here's what I'm going to say to you. In this place, uh, I had somebody three weeks ago say, Pastor, what's okay in this place? I said, well, we want you to worship God in spirit and in truth. For some of you, that response of gratitude is going to involve raising your hand, or both, right? Maybe a little bit of this, maybe halfway. Like, I want to, not sure, kind of. You're sitting there like this, like it's coming up, and then next week it's like, ah, ah, question, pastor, touchdown. You got it, right? You're going to figure it out. It's okay. It's my favorite, okay? Pledge allegiance. Um, for some of you, it, it's that outward expression and it does involve, maybe it's your hands for some, maybe it's, it's man, you, you just, as, as, as somebody is praying or talking or, 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 or a verse gets sung, man, you are in your heart, God's like, bam. And so maybe you've got to come forward and, and in that moment, you need to pray. That was me this morning. Uh, just, just like, that's, that's what the Lord put on my heart. It's like, dude, you've got to pray right now. So you do it, man. You say, God, make me grateful. Help me enjoy the moment. That was my prayer this morning. I don't want to, I don't be so caught up in the future. Or what, like, I, I just want to enjoy this moment, God, and be grateful in this moment. And so, so maybe that's you. you. You come forward. That's always available while we sing. Maybe it's just that in that moment, you need to sit down where you are. And everyone around you is saying, you just got to sit down and you got to pray. Maybe you got to sit down and cry. I, I don't know, but, but man, it, it has to mean something. And guys, I just want to say this to you. If you're showing up at church and it doesn't mean something, then you need to do that last thing, which is ask God to restore the joy of your salvation. Megas doxadzo. Not a little, but a lot of thanksgiving. God, you are so good. God, I am unworthy. Oh, thank you for healing me. Right? So we start there. Second, I want to challenge you as we close out to practice abiding in Christ by continuing to thank him and talk to him about everything going on in your life throughout your day. So we've been trying to establish, listen, if you are just joining us this morning, you did not get a, a little gratitude journal, we've got them. We've got extras. It's the last day. If you want to take one on your way out, take one on your way out. So you've got another 30 days to go through. And, and man, just continue to give thanks to God in all circumstances. I've, I've heard testimony after testimony of, man, this is, this is doing something in me. Yeah, it's meant to. It's meant to do something in you. So I want you to continue to practice it. Number three, um, as you continue to fix your eyes on Jesus, I want you to rest and enjoy the peace of God. Uh, Anybody use some peace right now? Come on. Anybody? Been going through a little storm, a little time, a little moment. Man. We could use that piece. So here's how I want to close, guys. I want to close just by praying for you and thanking God um, for you. And as you just, where you are, if you just bow your uh, head for a moment, you would close your eyes. Um, if, if you're here specifically this morning and you're like, yeah, that, that needs to be me. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, my worship and my love for God needs to be restored. If that's you, and nobody's looking around, but you, you just would confess that to the Lord. Lord, please restore the joy of my salvation. Would you just raise your hand? And say, Lord, I need you to restore the joy of my salvation. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be praying for you. Yeah. 
Anybody else? Joy of my salvation, Lord. Okay. Awesome. Okay. How many of you would just say, I, I need the peace of God right now. God, I need your peace in my life. And this thing I'm going through, I want to see it. Okay. Let's pray together. Father, um, man, you are our healer. And God, I pray this morning that you would forgive us for how often we take our eyes off of what you've done that we forget to practice that gratitude and be thankful for everything you've surrounded us with, that we start um, trying in our own minds to create a quote-unquote better way, uh, which leads to death and destruction. Uh, God, just call us back from that. Open our minds and our hearts to all that you've surrounded us with. And, and no matter what we're going through, help remind us that you are with us and that we can give thanks in this. And as we do, God, would you please, Holy Spirit, rain down your supernatural peace that we would know that God is good, that He loves us, and that He has a plan for us. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.